Welcome to AA Beyond Belief. This is episode 114. My guest for this episode is John H. from the We Agnostics Group in Washington, D.C. Late last week, I sent John an email to ask if he would join me on the podcast. A few days later, we had this conversation that you're about to hear. John is passionate about helping atheists who are suffering from alcoholism, and he has strong opinions about the secular AA organization and its relationship with traditional AA. Knowing this and wanting to better understand his views, I was delighted when he agreed to this interview. Well, John, uh, thank you for uh, agreeing to speak with me tonight. I uh, was interested in talking to you, actually, because you have an idea, and I don't want to misrepresent it. Um, I want you to let me know what it is. But um, it sounds to me like you're th- that you are of the opinion that those of us who are involved with secular AA meetings might be wise to just branch out on our own and leave AA. Do I have that right? Well, it, in in general, John, you have it right. But let me frame it properly, because uh, I'm aware that anything I say on a subject this uh, controversial is going to be prone to be misinterpreted. So I want to be, uh, I'll take a couple of minutes to be sort of clear about where I'm coming from. Okay. And uh, the the first thing is I want to go. I want to be very clear. In my I make my usual disclaimer statement. Anything I say here is just my opinion. It doesn't reflect uh, agreement or disagreement with any people that might be friends of mine or people that I go to meetings with or people that I publish pieces with or anything like that. This is just me. I only represent myself and I don't represent anyone else or anyone else's opinions. These are just my own. Okay. Um, and uh, I just need to say that uh, to be very clear because it, some of the content may be sort of controversial. Uh, the next thing I wanted to say is the outset is that I do not hate AA per se. Okay? <laughs> I am not an Orange Papers contributor. All right. Okay. I'm not looking for grand conspiracies. All right. Or uh, I'm not saying that people should not go to AA meetings if that's what they need and want to do. I sat in enough conventional AA meetings over over 30 years to know that it really, really works in the conventional way as it's written in the big book and the 12 steps for lots and lots of people. And I'm not going to denigrate or deny those recoveries. Those are real recoveries and you know, I don't have any innings there. What I have seen, though, and the, on the flip side, is I've ha- I have seen people walk away from AA, go out, continue drinking, and die. I've seen that, right? And the primary reason that I've noted for that is a reason that's often remarked in the secular world is that the religious content of Alcoholics Anonymous is in fact toxic for a certain percentage of people. Now, I realize that there are some people 
even within our secular community, who really need some of the principles and precepts and ideas embodied in the 12 steps. I categorically reject the 12 steps. I have nothing to do with it personally. In going on 33 years of sobriety, I've never found them useful at all in any context, or I should say hardly at all, sure. in any context ever. And that's from my first earliest days of association with it. But I know that there are many people who do not share that experience, mm -hmm. who did, who maybe grew up in conventional AA. I know you're one of the people yeah. that were at one time or another was a true believer. Yeah. Uh, so you say, and uh, I know many people uh, like that. Uh, you know, I also know others that were hardcore atheists from the first day, like myself. So, but I don't want to be perceived as denigrating any individuals that find versions of that conventional stuff useful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I have a, a, I have my reasons for not dealing with that. If anybody was interested, and I'm not going to use our time going into all that stuff again. I gave a workshop in Toronto that's on your website. It's uh, John H. 12 Steps or some such thing. It's easy to find. You put it up. It's on Atheistic AA as well, and I've got it on my own webpage if anybody wants to go there, uh, but uh, where I go into great detail about this whole steps business and what I think about it, okay? okay? Now, I got to a point with conventional meetings, and this went on for years and years and years. I was very lucky, given my opinions that I had. A, I was lucky that, you know, a secular meeting was started in September of 1988 and basically saved my life when I was re ready to go out uh, because I was so disgusted with what I was hearing in conventional meetings. I was very lucky on that score. But even with the conventional meetings, I was very lucky with the location in which I went to conventional meetings in. I went to conventional meetings in Northwest Washington. Uh, our friend Greg could bear this out for you. And I know you haven't been here that much, but Greg knows all about this, where, you know, the tenor of the conventional meetings in Northwest Washington, D.C., due to the profile of the people that attend them in general, is very liberal, very open. I experienced very little of the shunning and the, you know, the, the, the bad things that people report by coming out atheist in other parts of the country. I was very fortunate in that regard. So it was relatively easy for me to sort of slide in and have friendships in conventional AA and actually, it was sort of good for me at the beginning because I did form some friendships that have lasted all those years. There are people who didn't drink and didn't die, who I still communicate with regularly. Just last week, I was communicating with a friend of mine who I've known nearly 30 years about another friend of ours who, unfortunately, after a number of years of sobriety, is out on a very desperate slip. It's gone on. I won't go into that, but it's a very serious, life-threatening situation. And we were working and thinking together about how and what we could do to help someone. So even now, some of those folks are still, he's a very devout Christian in his own way.
So, but we are good personal friends. So I'm not, uh, I'm not going into the religion bashing or the people bashing business. But what I am about to say is, is that I finally came to the conclusion that I was a hypocrite. That by sitting in those meetings, in the very framework of those meetings, that I wasn't being honest, fully honest, with myself. Because when I critically analyzed the content and the ritualistic behavior and the readings and the uh, desire to have step meetings and the desire to have big book meetings and all the stuff that went with it, I really wasn't being honest, being a part of that fellowship. Okay. You're talking about traditional AA meetings. Correct. Okay. Traditional AA meetings. So as a personal decision... A year or so ago, I quit. I left. I will never attend another conventional AA meeting. Okay. So uh, it, technically, I'm not a member of that AA anymore. Okay. But I very much consider myself to be a, a member of what is now called secular AA. Okay. And in the process of thinking about what secular AA is and isn't, I came to the same conclusion about secular AA that I did about my own personal involvement in AA proper. Hmm. Because when I look at what I hear most people in secular AA talk about and say and say they believe, I find myself, uh, you're going to find this very amusing, I find myself with a, a set of agreements with some of the things I've heard our buddy Clancy from the Pacific group say. Hmm. Clancy very, very definitively and definitely says, if you don't believe in God, you're not a member of AA. It goes further and says, I'm sure you've heard this stuff, well, you're not really sober or you're not a real alcoholic. Or Yeah, I've heard that. It, yeah, it goes on and on from there, you know, and then the, you know, the Joe and Charlie show and the ghost of Sandy Beach and all that other craziness. OK, I came across that quote from Clancy somewhere. I normally don't pay any attention to, you know, really insane cults like the Pacific Group. Right. I mean, that's just a level of insanity. I, I, I don't even <laughs> want to begin to talk about yeah. that. That stuff is just completely whack. A bunch of whack jobs like like the Sandy Beach cult was when he was alive here. But. You know, I, I, I looked at what, and I said, you know, Clancy's right, okay? If you don't believe in God, you have to reject religion. And I firmly believe, and this is another thing that I'm sure will set some people off, but okay. it's my personal belief that AA is a religion, first, last, and always. Well, the courts have ruled it as such, hasn't it? Have, haven't they? Well, that's, that's what it is. I mean, if you listen to my chat on the steps that I had in Toronto, I talk about what the Oxford group was doing in the early 30s before Wilson and Smith were even, you know, uh, even sober themselves is, you know, exactly in line with what they did. I mean, I refer to it as the Oxford group 12 steps, which is what it is. And that's a religion. And I, I reject it. So I'm saying that this is a very difficult part of this discussion because the initials AA have become so synonymous with the world of recovery that the merest thought of rejecting those initials 
gives people the heebie-jeebies. And people totally freak out if they get delisted, like the Toronto Conference <laughs> yeah. and some of the others in this country that we're very well aware of. Okay, and I understand that because AA does have sort of a, no a monopoly on a big chunk of what's called recovery in the United States and around the world. That's just a fact. Now, there's a lot of reactions against that and medical models growing up that challenge that assumption. And, you know, AA is being assaulted from without in all kinds of ways because of their doctrinaire religious approach to all of this. And I, I'm not intending on going after them in that particular regard. All I'm doing is saying, in my own view, is that what we have is a sort of a cognitive dissonance, almost a schizophrenia as, re as regards AA. Because if we are ostensibly secular, how can we identify ourselves as part of a religion? I don't know how you react to that, but I really don't think there's any logical connection between a secular person and religion. Mm -hmm. You have any thought you want to? Well, it's interesting the way that you that that you view this. the The way I view it, I, I agree with you to a large extent. I I actually personally have used AA as a religion. I was never much of a believer of God, but um, AA was my religion. There's no doubt about that. And I've seen other people do the same thing. I reject that now. I, I'm I'm an atheist like you. Um, I I guess. I guess the way that I view it is that um, because of group autonomy, AA to me is an individual group. So if some group in Alabama wants to talk about Jesus all day long and preach the steps, that's that group. If my group chooses to be secular and not read from the big book and not pray, then that's AA for, for my group. Be, be, okay, but we still have this umbrella organization, I guess that we that we that we that we that groups fall under. So you have the Jesus group, right. and you have my right. my atheist right. group, right? Right, and and no matter what anybody says, my me, you, or the board of directors of whoever or whatever, each individual member has complete autonomy to do what she or he needs to do as regards their recovery program. I don't think anybody would advocate sort of laying down a path, uh, particularly in the secular world, laying down a path for a member. Likewise, if a group in New York City wants to affiliate one way and a group in Kansas City uh, wants to affiliate another way, I don't think anybody would propose interfering with or even having an opinion on what that individual group decided to do in terms of affiliation. There is nothing to prevent a group or a individual from being affiliated with more than one group. That's right. Okay, there's nothing right. to prevent that. And I'm saying that if we're gonna hold ourselves out, I know people right now who are ready to leave the secular part of our program because of this issue. I know people that are, I know people who have left us because of this issue 
because they say, oh, all they are is AA light. And they take the, the identification that the national organization has very seriously. And when I try to explain this autonomy stuff that you want to talk, talked about, the feedback I get is that, well, it's, this AA stuff is not for me. Now, my primary orientation, and I've said this before in articles and elsewhere, my primary personal orientation is about atheists, self-identified atheists. I do not have a lot of opinions about people who identify as theists, Buddhists, agnostics, whatever. I don't relate to that at all. And I'm, I'm a lifelong atheist from age 12. I've never considered any of those other meditation, all that other stuff. I've never personally had any consideration for any of that stuff at all. It's basically meaningless to me. So if people want to go and do that, you know, I don't have any problem with that. But what I'm worried about is the hardcore atheist that is so revolted by this religious affiliation that the initial initials AA imply and could be so revolted by the I've been in secular meetings where people have recited a version of the 12 steps that I, 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 I've been in a secular meeting where they started up with a meditation thing and I had to walk out. Right. Okay. Right. See, I, I wouldn't like that either. Uh, well, I've seen it. I could tell you where I'm not going to go into the geographic. No, that's areas. okay. I, I know that I different think we know the geographic like area where this is very common, but w I'm not going to go into that. But I, I've seen that. Right. I've seen recent programs for conferences and such that are not our national conference that just blow my mind with all of that stuff. Now, you said something that's interesting to me. You said that these that there are people who are leaving secular AA. But what exactly are they leaving? Well, they're, they're looking for a solution that does not have the initials AA attached. Okay, I see. I see. So even if they have, even if they have a group like, like my group, for example, we don't read the big book. We don't pray. Um, you know, we're, I think it's a very secular group, but it also has the AA initials. We're alcoholics. Yeah, some anonymous. people react, but the, you know, the, the, you know, some people say I read the co I look at the coffee shop and all it is is a bunch of stuff about spirituality. A lot of. Them. Yeah. Yeah. OK. And they get I, I'm not going to go into that. All right. I'm too old to quit. All right. So, you know, if I was younger, maybe I would have a different opinion on all of that. But I'm staying put until I drop dead. And I'm trying to come up with a way to mediate because I think our national organization, what happened in Santa Monica, uh, you know, going on six years ago now, that what happened there is, or was it five years, five years ago, what happened there was just extraordinary because we finally, this disparate, lonely groups of isolated atheists or whatever else they call themselves yeah. came together and knew that we could do it together. And that was really important to me. And doing it together is really important to me. And within the, the, the envelope of this autonomy that people obviously have, I got a little bit tired of hearing a lot of crap directed at me as like, oh, you're angry, oh, you're negative, oh, you're this, oh, yeah, you're that. I, 
What are you going to tell me that's positive? So that's when I started writing this most recent series of articles in Atheistic AA about what I really think of what I really think my program or what I think a rational version of the program is. And I've written three of five articles. I'm trying, I'm not trying to write a book about this or anything, because I'm certainly not going to sell anything to my fellow alcoholics, unlike some others. But um, the, the first three uh, articles, the first one was about making a decision, making a firm and determined decision about your alcoholism, which I feel is a absolutely vital uh, moment in time that if you don't have it, it's going to be very difficult to recover. And then I wrote about meetings and the importance of going to meetings and what meetings mean to you, particularly in early sobriety. But even now, going on 33 years later, meetings still mean a lot to me. They help me with issues in my life that are very different from the issues I had when I was 38 years old. The issues you have when you were 70 are different than the issues you had when you were 38. And hopefully you've developed as a person and some of your adolescent angst has finally uh, dissipated. So you're, 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 it, so that's what the meetings do for me. They help me in my life, okay? And then that, that engine that drives the meeting, which is the sharing, the sharing of the experience between alcoholics mm-hmm. is so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And then the last two articles I'm going to write, which I haven't written yet, but I have sort of outlines of, is the, I, I feel that it's very important for us to talk about the idea of abstinence. Mm-hmm. I think that abstinence, at least in the public realm, is coming under some scrutiny and people are questioning it. But I just don't see a program of recovery without abstinence. I'm a I'm an advocate of 100% abstinence from alcohol. And I want to talk about that and some of the reasons for that. And then the thing, the last thing, the thing that really brings it together, and even for me and my, you know, broken down, soon to be very old age, I'm still trying to figure out ways when it present, when the opportunity presents itself to help another alcoholic which really cements your sobriety. Now, you will notice there are elements in here, right? These elements, many of these elements, I learned from AA, right? Right. That's an ironic statement, okay? I learned those elements from attending those early conventional AA meetings in 1987 and then, of course, my education continued apace when my two inspired founders of our meeting that's still ongoing here, the We Agnostics meeting in D.C., founded that meeting in September of 88. And yeah. that, I mean, I learned about how to stay sober within sort of a context that might be referred to as AA. But I grew up, I got old enough, and I got honest enough to finally say, that the overriding tenor of what this thing called AA is, is as a religion. Full stop, period, the end. So let's say that, let's say that we decided everybody, all these, all these secular AA groups that are 
all over the world right now. Uh, let's say they all decided, okay, let's let's get this AA out of our name. We're now going to be secular recovery. We're not going right. to be. That's a logical. That's a lot. That's okay. He is the only logical name for what we actually are. So if we do that, um, what kind of how is that going to change anything? I mean, well, it's going to change that. It's going to change our statement of purpose, which is not to kowtow and uh, be subservient to the general service office in New York to be more worried about the AA International Convention than we are about our own very excellent upcoming convention in 2020 in DC and to not spend as much time masticating and massaging and dealing with AA literature that is virtually meaningless to many of our members that maybe we'll be able to focus and help people get more focused on what we're really all about, which is recovery from alcoholism and addiction, not dealing with the minutia of somebody else's alien organization, which is what it, to me, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's like, you know, a bunch of Martians that I have to, you know, I have to do translations from. Well, I think that our dislike of AA literature is pretty much agreed upon um, for most of us. I mean, now there are some exceptions, I guess, like some people might like that Godward pamphlet, some don't. But pretty much universally, we all pretty much reject the big book that doesn't speak to us, the 12 and 12 that doesn't speak to us. I, I think that's one thing that the secular groups have in common is we don't use those books. We don't worship those books, um, you know, like 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 traditional AA does. Uh, you know, people within our, when that Godward pamphlet came out, and then that ridiculous grapevine thing, that one big tent book came out, there were people that were actually worshiping those things. And when I had the temerity to write, I wrote, re- the reviews are up on Atheistic AA, if anybody wants to take a look at them, or I'll, you know, uh, I reviewed both of those publications, and uh uh, one person who will remain nameless, who I thought was totally unflappable, became almost unhinged with me <laughs> because I had the temerity to criticize this ridiculous Godward thing from the United Kingdom. And I won't go into the particulars of that. I wrote those articles that anybody that would be interested can look and see. So... What I'm thinking about, though, John, is like, okay, so all these groups already, most most all of our groups, our secular AA groups, don't already don't bother with AA literature. So, I mean, how how is not being um, say say so we're our own thing now? We're secular recovery. We're no longer AA. We're still not bothering with AA literature. I guess the only difference is we don't have that connection to the general service conference. And the, you know, as a formal kind of thing, because that's not what we right. are. We are not them. We are something okay. in general. We are something else. But that doesn't take away anybody out in the hinterlands or anywhere who feels this emotional connection to these initials from dealing with them. I mean, I, I will tell you this. There is a there is a disconnect between um, us and traditional AA people. Um, I've gotten to the point, I think, where you are, where I, I cannot tolerate a traditional AA meeting. I can't stand it. 
And if I sit and talk with a person who is in traditional AA and they talk about their recovery, and it's usually by quoting from the big book and talking about God, I just cannot relate to them. They just, I don't want any, it's not, it's not for me. Okay. It's totally not for me. So, I mean, there's already kind of a division, um, just socially, I guess, that I can't relate to those people, and I guess they can't relate to me. So that's why they have their groups and we have our groups. But do you think, I guess I guess maybe what I'm thinking is that what happens if one day the number of secular AA groups outnumbers these other types yeah, of groups? That, well, do you think that be- number one, we live in the United States of America, not Sweden, Norway, or Denmark, or Finland, okay? That will never happen in the United States of America, or I believe in Canada. as That just won't happen. I mean, we're not going to be demographically significant enough to change a religious organization like AA from within. That would be like me joining the Baptists and trying to get the Baptist convention to change. It's just ludicrous. So a few years ago, I had this thought that, um, you know, someday we would need to get a divorce from AA, <laughs> you know, that that someday it would just get to the point where um, the, the differences are irreconcilable and we would just have to do our own thing. We'd have to start our own service organization and everything yeah, well, like that. That's what we've done, John. Yeah, I guess in a way we have. I mean, we've got. I mean, we've got the secular. We've got our own meetings listed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Courtney tells me we've got five hundred listed meetings, right? And we've got an ever-growing internet presence. We have, you know, independent outfits like yours getting lots and lots of hits and people reading lots and lots of articles and listening to things like this. And I think in the. I don't know if I'll be around to see it. Uh, that's why I'm going to just talk about the, the timelines here, because the, the, the process of growing up, becoming an adult, is lengthy, and uh, people grow up at different rates. And this organization is sort of analogous to a, you know, uh, probably sort of still sort of an unruly teenager and uh, struggling to become a member of the adult world. When we fully grow up and we have the infrastructure to that negates this, a, a, I, I want to see a day where any alcoholic in the world hits those buttons on Google and the words Alcoholics Anonymous and the words Secular Recovery come up at the top of the feed and that people will be able to make a choice and not think that their only option is to go to this thing called AA. And I think that time is rapidly approaching, maybe not in my time, but certainly in the time of the younger people that are in the program now. So I would say uh, the majority of the people that attend meetings at my group are new to Alcoholics Anonymous. They have not been to a traditional AA meeting. They wouldn't go to a traditional AA meeting. They came to our group because we were secular, specifically for, for, for that reason. But, and I don't even know if they even think about or even care whether or not it's AA. Um, we call ourselves Alcoholics Anonymous when we read the preamble and so forth. And some of them work the steps, some of them don't. It just seems like we're we're, we're in AA, but we're still doing our own thing. Um, and people are people who want our secular meeting will find us. Well, let, let me turn it around a bit on you at the end. 
what good does AA do us now? What good are they to us? What use? That is a good point, John. And I tell you what, I'm kind of wondering myself. I got involved with the General Service Conference, actually the the area and General Service, um, thinking that I wanted to make a difference and change, make some changes in AA. But I've kind of got to the point where you know the 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 best difference I can make in AA is by making it at my home group and actually this podcast things like that i i just i just don't see the point i don't see anything that they can do for me or need to do for me because my group can do whatever it wants I, you know so. well but what use uh, why identify with something we are not and why be hypocritical about it now i i have a theory that well there's two things there's a, a lot of people around who still have a deep en- emotional attachment to AA, and I get that. I had an emotional attachment to my own home group because of the friends, I, until they got so old, they retired and moved away or died, that we used to sit around and have coffee with after the meeting. So I understand. I probably have, an, I probably have yeah. that. I probably have an emotional attachment. Yeah, I, I understand that uh, emotional attachment. And, uh, you know, that can be uh, profound. And the assumption in the wider world is is that for some reason, AA and Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob established the gold standard in the recovery business. And a lot of people make a lot of money promoting that idea. So there is a lot of propaganda out there regarding this. And it's profound. And also, there's the issue of the listing of meetings. Up until recently, I would have agreed with the statement that it is vitally important to have your meeting listed in the local AA directory, that it is almost of paramount importance to have, maintain, and promote that listing. And it's still sort of true, but as we grow, as you know more about the digital footprint than I do, of course, because you're in the digital footprint business. Well, not business. You're in the dig- digital footprint service delivery end of this thing. So you know a lot more about that stuff than I do. And I think that it all is a matter of access to information and how prominent our version of recovery is and we don't really and the great thing about us i think is we don't really have a version of recovery that we people have the la- really have the latitude of finding a version that's suitable to them i just exactly yeah i went through some things that i've learned in you know 32 plus years of going through all this stuff somebody some person may agree with the important points that i came up about what with about what recovery is some people may disagree, all right? Sure. Uh, we're going to see more science-based uh, activities, I believe, at our next convention here in D.C., along with all the traditional, uh, very wide range of opinions that we've always had at our conventions. But uh, more rational approaches are getting more currency in the wider world, and more people are questioning this religion business, right, as regards AA as being some sort of gold standard for recovery. 
you know, you were talking about the listings on the websites. That that is that's pretty much um, a thing. Uh, it, you know, that's not how people are finding us on our, on the traditional AA websites. They're finding us through the secular AA website, and they're finding us through um, our our own individual websites. So when people are looking for an AA meeting and they're an atheist or an agnostic, they're going to look specifically for some sort, something that has to do with a secular approach. And that's why they're finding us. They're finding us on the secular AA site, or they're finding us through our own individual group websites. That's, that's just the way it is. So that bodes very well for the future, which beggars the, you know, the, like the point of this whole conversation we're having on your podcast today, which is why don't we call ourselves what we are? which really is something like secular recovery. Why don't we just do that eventually? Now, I'm not hallucinating, and I don't think that this sort of change will happen overnight. And personally, I, I won't be, there'll be enough controversy coming up at the next convention regarding certain activities that the board of directors has already floated that will come up for discussion and vote there one of which involves another type of name change, which is really crazy, which is something I'm not going to go into here, but will certainly be gone into at great depth, probably, if the people proposing this persist in their uh, desire to do so. It's also kind of wondering, how would it happen? I mean, so you would have to get, like, there's like 500 secular AA groups, and and they would all have to agree, I guess. No, they wouldn't necessarily all have to agree in the sense that if you have a national organization with a certain name, they either affiliate with that organization or they don't. And uh, I would suppose that there would have to be an argument that would be strong enough and persuasive enough, which is yet to be developed, so that most groups and most individuals would say, yeah, that's a good idea. But even the people and the groups that would want to stay closely affiliated with their local area assembly and New York City and all that other stuff, they would be more than welcome too. Just like a Christian, a Buddhist, or a you know a Unitarian or whatever is totally welcome at the meeting I've been attending all these years. Well, it's like anybody though can create. You can anybody can go out tomorrow and create an organization called Secular Recovery, build a website, and then they can list all of the secular AA groups. Yeah, that could be done, but I'm, I have no interest whatsoever in building a parallel organization. If I was 35 years old, maybe the answer to that would be different. But I, you know, okay. personally, that's crazy for me. I would never think of doing that. I don't want to do that. I think that within the envelope of what we've done, I've been to, as you know, I've been to all the conventions. The last time out uh, in the run-up to Toronto, I was, I believe, the only one that went to all three of the regional meetings. And even though much of what I saw in some of these places I didn't personally agree with, I saw the passion and vitality and the excitement for, uh, in general, bonding with other secular people in recovery. And I think that's sort of the magic sauce that's created the rapid growth in secular meetings. Now, I think people have problems with definitions. I think people are confused in my own, this is just my own view, 
people are confused about what a se- what the word secular really means. And, you know, some people haven't really thought it through, but that's just individuals. So the definition of secular is of the world temporal, right? Not, nothing to do with... Right, um, right. And the, world spiritual, the word spiritual has another definition, and it has to do with religion. So... So see, I I agree with you like that. I'm I'm totally in in line with you on that. I I don't I'm not I don't use spiritual language. I don't have any use for that. Um, and I would also agree that spiritual is not is not secular. But what are you going to do about an atheist who says I am spiritual and he's going to be talking spiritually? Well, know? we say, but please <laughs> you know? come to the next convention and put on a workshop. That's uh-huh. what I say. And they do. And they do. That's right. Okay. I mean, it's just like there's so much there's so much diversity amongst, and you're us. more than welcome. And that's why I want to put in a brief sort of. Uh, we're getting probably toward the end of our hour here. Um, I want to put in a brief commercial about the 2020 International Convention ICSAA, uh, which will take place here in Washington the last week of October. 2020 in the Washington area, just actually just a few blocks from where I am right now at the Hyatt Regency in Bethesda, Maryland. And uh, everyone that's listening to this that has been to a convention knows how good they've all been good uh, for different reasons. And they've all had great points for different reasons. But here, I think that Greg uh, O, your friend there from uh, who lives here in D.C. and Kansas City, He's sort of a dual town guy, you know, is putting together a really exciting program. And we have a fact-based person from uh, NIH, the head of the uh, National Institute of Alcoholism, will be coming to speak to us uh, as a keynote on Saturday night. And there will be many other speakers with many divergent opinions there. This is not... Uh, this is not a one-size-fits-all thing. This is a very open forum, as it's always been, and I have great hopes for us hosting a really great convention here. And, and yeah, and I'm hoping you'll get Greg on soon to go into that. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. Um, he's going to come to the meeting tomorrow night, and uh, maybe we might go out afterwards or talk afterwards. Yeah, because he's the head of that effort. I'm just a willing helper. So uh, talk to him about all the details regarding it. So have I let you make your case? So <laughs> Do you I feel like you've so. made I a good... I've been, I, I have to pat myself on the back. I think I've been remarkably restrained. Don't yeah. you? I, yeah, I, I yeah, use very yeah. little of my 60s, favorite 60s words from the hippie days, right? I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well known for using salty language in these contexts. I think, did I cuss even once, John? No, you oh, did not. Oh, man, no, did I'll not. tell you. I must have had a spiritual experience. Just make sure I understand, I think. You're not. You're just basically saying the secular AA organization that we've built up should just abandon the whole AA part uh, of it and be a secular recovery organization. Right, right. We stop being- so that's what should change. Not necessarily all the different groups- or you're saying they should uh, the as well. groups can do whatever they want. I don't care what the groups ah. do. If they're if, if if they're personally, if they're listed on the secular recovery site and all the AA sites too, I couldn't care less. I don't 
So those individual groups could still do their own I, thing. I nobody's going to tell anybody. I'd be the last person. I'm not going to be in. Nobody's in charge, really, except the group okay. conscience as it expresses itself. So the only difference would be the secular AA organization wouldn't be part of right, AA. Right. But what that would do, though, believe it or not, and I don't think anyone would care, but all those groups that decide to remain AA, if they would become affiliated with another with an outside organization, which you're not supposed to do in AA, oh, that could cause some Now, now you've got me to use one of my bad words, John. <laughs> Fuck them, okay? <laughs> Fuck them, all right? So okay. now I did it. Now... Now they're going to say the angry atheist was on (laughs) saying those terrible words again. So you see, you trapped me at the end here. Well, what's so funny about it, though, is there's actually has been that argument already. There's been like Doris's group in Champaign-Urbana. Their stupid district said you cannot be listed on the secular AA website because you're affiliating with the outside organization. And I think that Doris's group made a mistake by taking their – they're um, listing off the secular AA page because, quite frankly, more people are going to find their meeting on secularaa.org than they would on the silly district website. Uh, some of these people that I've heard seem to walk around thinking more about AA Central, AA of Riverside Drive, AA of whatever area organization they're part of. They think about that kind of stuff, at least to me, I hear them going through all that stuff. And in my mind, I say, well, they're thinking more about that bullshit than they are about the recovery of secular alcoholics. What I would like to see us be focused on is not all of these discussions that we have about outside things, but to be laser beam focused on helping the secular alcoholic recover from alcoholism and not die. So it's like, it's basically, and I'm, I, I think you could possibly be right, a waste of time to try to change Alcoholics Anonymous oh, internally. A, it's, it's, a, it's a fool's errand. It's completely absurd. All you have to do <laughs> yeah. is read their current website. And I just urge everybody, just Google Alcoholics Anonymous and look at the current website and read what they say they are today. And there is no reconciliation between that and non-belief in a higher power. There isn't. There, and the people that spend their lives spinning language and jumping through hoops to say that there is, I you know, personally, I would never spend my time doing that. But I think they're doing a disservice to truly secular people that can find a way without those distractions and fallacies and untruths which are embodied in the big book and the steps. I think that the biggest problem in Alcoholics Anonymous is they're they're too too proud of the past, too clingy to the past, too afraid of the future, too afraid to modernize. And that's the big problem. I mean, yeah, well, we were talking about it in our group the other day. Um, we actually were, you, you would hate this, John, but we're doing a step study. Oh, and w- what you would really, what you would really act- absolutely hate is that we're, we, we've actually brought out the big book for, as a historical document. Yeah. Okay? Well, well, anyway, a couple of the women, they read the doctor's opinion, right? 
And one of them said, this is crazy. They're acting like all medical progress stopped in 1939 when Dr. Silkworth wrote this yeah, opinion. It's, like, it, you know? it's, it's just... You know, it's just lunacy craziness. But isn't but isn't that insane? But why, you know, so it's it is crazy. But I think that the reason that they've never updated any damn thing is they were so proud of the founders and what the founders did. They won't let it go. And the founder was making millions and millions of dollars of it. Yeah. Too. Let's not forget how rich Bill got over the course of that. Yeah, that's true. But but I think that's the, I think that's the thing, and I see that here locally too, is almost this this fear of technology, uh, this fear of even trying to do something that might be outside of what would normally be done in the past. And I think, you know, I I have hope. I guess that 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 culture can be changed. But you might be. Why right. would you want to change them? Why can't we do our own thing and let them do theirs? I guess that I wouldn't, I'm not saying I want to, ch- I can't change them. You're right. I'm not going to, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, why would you want to? T- yeah, there's no way that I could change another person or group. But I think that we've only, we've only nicked the tip of the oh, iceberg of the thing, people. This secular recovery thing has only just begun. I wish I could live another 30, 40 years to see where it goes, but I won't. Well, you know, people in their 30s, 20s, 30s, whatever. What's so interesting about about them, what I find that those that are coming to my group, I don't think they give a shit one way or another if they're atheists. They don't care about any of that stuff, but they do think that the religious stuff is crazy. So they, they don't want anything to do with that. And, and I think they think it's even more bizarre, not just the religious stuff. They think it's more bizarre, the antiquated language and reading, reading an 80 year old book. That's what I think. They What's find. really bizarre is when you try to adapt a religious text and a religious program and turn it into something it's not, which is what all of these secular tomes, so-called secular tomes, dealing with the 12 steps are. And that's always struck me as being just completely whacked out. Yeah, the whole 12-step thing is kind of is kind of weird because um, I don't think that it, they were ever intended it to become what it became. I mean, all they are, they, didn't, they shouldn't even made a list. Because all that was, that that was an ex- the experience of those people back in the 1930s. It's not my experience. It's not your experience. It's their experience. And it was a religious experience because they all came from a religious organization, right? Yeah. But, that's where, that's where yeah. they started. Yeah. But, you know, that that's how they described their experience. But I could desc- I would describe my experience totally different. And I don't really have to number them as steps. I could. I could look at their step and say, oh, yeah, that corresponds to this experience I had. I I just I gave you the broad strokes today. Make a decision. Go to meetings, share, maintain abstinence and try to help somebody in the end. That's a pretty short book. Yeah. So crazy me, though, I can say, oh, you know, those are the steps right there, John. It's it's all (laughs) horseshit because this God, now you've got me going. I've really got to I've got to moderate now. Uh, yeah, it's it's fallacious. That's a nicer way of putting it. Because you can't make a religion secular. It's impossible. If you want to know more about that, listen to my Toronto talk. We'll, we'll make a link to that. To you the can do that, okay? And uh, if you want to link my series over there, there, there's no such thing as competition 
in our end of the world. So if you want to link that, um, my series of articles on Atheistic AA, you and Courtney know all about how to do that. Feel free. I can sure I can speak for him on that. You know, there we go. I think I just about covered what you were. Well, if you feel satisfied that you made your case, then that's good. And um, feel free to come back again. Well, thanks. Well, I made I made a case. I didn't make uh-huh. the case. The case. The case okay. is going to be made over the fullness of time, and will be made not just. It will be made by younger, more vigorous, hopefully even more thoughtful people who will follow us and bring this to fruition. And that's my last word on the topic okay. for tonight. Well, thank you. I think I think that you've been very very cordial. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a sweet I'm a sweet guy. Tell them all. Oh yeah. 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 Say yeah. it loud, please. Okay. And I only used bad language two or three times. Well, I provoked. Well, you did. Okay. It was your. It, you conspired <laughs> to get me to show my true hippie, old, broken down hippie character. Okay. Yeah. yeah. By using those ancient terms, so. Um, which are still really good to use sometimes. So um, there we go. All right. And thank you very much. Thank you for your generosity in reaching out on this. I was mildly surprised. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know. Well, I've been curious about what you're what you're up to and what you're interested in and what what your views are. I mean, I I listen to you on Facebook and and some people get pissed off at what you write on Facebook. Yeah. And that's really too bad. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I just think it's kind of interesting. Right. Well, I sent my ideas around to the board of directors not long ago. I think you probably uh, got a copy of that. Uh, I'll have to read that. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, sent, I'm, I'm not a very good board member. I, I, I've not been paying attention I sent to anything. A, I, 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 I was asked to give my thoughts directly to them, and I did so in writing not long ago. So... Well, you're gonna you're gonna be one of the speakers. Oh, I'm at, sure, inevitably. Uh, yeah, at the Detroit thing, right? Detroit, I'm not. Oh no, Detroit. no, no! I have not been invited to do. Uh, oh, I, I offered to uh, provide my services for my usual low fee of zero. Uh, well, I thought you were, but maybe at one not, of these jobs. No, I was not invited to do that, and I don't anticipate that the people that are on that particular uh, commu- uh, committee will invite me, but I am going to show up there. It will be, I don't go to AA meetings anymore, yeah. uh, conventional AA meetings anymore, but I am going to show up there as a, a observer. I have to ask them if it's even a sure thing that we're going to have speakers yeah. at that well, 2020. I, I, I offered to talk on Detroit, to speak on one big tent. And I, uh-huh. yeah, I had deafening silence in well, if people are afraid of of that of, of controversy, what they shouldn't be. It's okay to go right. to an AA meeting and s- say something's bullshit. Yeah, that's okay. I don't care. I, I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to do my own All thing right. until I I can't do it anymore. So that's just the way it's going to be. All right. Jeff. Okay. Thank you. Well, that concludes another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you would like to support the podcast, there's a couple of things you might consider doing. You can visit our iTunes page and leave us a positive review. 
You can make recurring contributions at our Patreon page by visiting patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief or make a small contribution uh, through PayPal by visiting our PayPal page at paypal.me slash aabeyondbelief. It's not necessary, but it does cost money to produce the podcast, and we'd certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back again real soon.